for this. What is nothing? Now that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? That's deep, bro. Oh, hi, bros. Welcome to That's Deep, bro. Always with a frog in my throat. Serious questions for silly people. Thank you for joining joining me this week. I hope you had a great week. I I did. What did I do? This week I had a revelation. A small one, but nonetheless something that changed my life. Do you ever do something your entire life a certain way? And uh, and you're like, I don't really uh, I don't like that. Well, guys, I discovered that I hate crusts on bread. Huge revelation. And you know what? I'm not eating them anymore. I'm not eating uh, disgusting crusts. And I've been cutting them off my bread. So it's huge week. Um, you know, little things, little things like that really make my life important, I think. I think, right? Okay. So, bros, listen, support my show. Shop through my Amazon banner. Go to thatsdeepropodcast.com the next time you shop on Amazon. Click on the little banner on the homepage and it takes you to Amazon and just do your shopping as you normally would. And like through the magic of the internet, it somehow knows that you're using my, uh, my website. It's so crazy, right? And I, I get some shackles. And also uh, October 29th at the Brea Improv, uh, 8 p.m. show. I'm headlining one night only in Brea. I was going to do a week originally, but you know what? Not so easy when you're close to eight months pregnant. So I'm going to do one night, one night only, and I hope to see you there. Um, it's going to be awesome. There's so much new stuff that I'm working out, and I um, oh, hope you're there. That'd be so good. Also, oh, Twitter. I'm at Christina P. on Twitter. If you ever want to follow me, I usually post when the episodes drop there. Um, yeah, okay. So, okay, bros. Today's episode I'm so excited about. Um, this is what, this is one of those times I absolutely love the interwebs and the power of podcasting and the amazing ability to just put a call out there for something and somebody answers and it's just, it's mind boggling. So, uh, a while back I put a call out to anybody who, um, was in a cult and had the experience of being in a cult and getting out of a cult and how, how does that work and how does it feel and, and how do you recover from trauma like that? And uh, a wonderful girl named Jessica responded, and we had a conversation that I'm going to play with, play with you, play for you today. Uh, Jessica is a wonderfully sensitive, uh, resilient person. I think you're you're going to gather that from our conversation. Um, wow, talk about going through something horrendous and then coming out the other end. Um, really triumphantly and she's she's so like uh honest and and real and forthcoming and um it's it's a it's just a neat talk i I really hope you enjoy this if you'd like to reach out to jessica and let her know that you enjoyed hearing her on the show she is on twitter at jessica j-e-s-s-i-c-a-e-v-e-f-i-s-h okay and um she said she'd be happy to be in touch with anyone interested 
in self-actualization. So there you go. If you'd like to reach out to Jessica after hearing her on this program, you may do so. Please keep it positive, guys. But you guys are, I don't think I've ever had a nasty a tweet from a That's Deep Bro listener. That's not your style. You guys are very civilized, cool people. Um, so there we go, man. <sighs> Cults. Scary. Hey, bros, I had to throw in Helter Skelter. I mean, come on, it's a show about cults. Is there anything more appropriate than that? (laughs) Apparently Manson heard um, some inspirational messages in that song, and um, and that's when he started his little cult. Oh, my God, I have to play this for you, too. So this woman calls herself Elizabeth Clare. She's on the Internet. Um, She's a prophet. You got to hear her (laughs) chanting with her her people. Here we go. She's the violet flame. Here we go. <laughs> it's so bizarro. I'm in action in me now. I am the violet flame to light alone. I bow. I am the violet flame in mighty cosmic power. I am the light of God shining every hour. I am the violet flame blazing like a sun. I am God's sacred power freeing everyone. I am the violet flame in action in me now. I am the violet flame Turn up the hot sauce now. Oh, how do you do That's that? Three ways to give that decree. It's your choice. They're all correct. Just depends on building a momentum. <laughs> I'm using a funnel of air from the seat of the soul chakra up to my throat chakra to give this decree. The power is the power of all of my chakras, all seven at work simultaneously, Hmm. releasing that sacred fire in the focus of the spoken word. Hmm. I am the violet flame in action (laughs) in me now. I am the violet flame in light alone. I I am the violet flame in mighty cosmic power. (laughs) Did you you catch that? (laughs) So anyways, yeah, cults. Um, I'm assuming this woman is a leader of some sort of horrific cult. Um, She's chanting, I am the violet flame in mighty cosmic power. Yikes. How does that happen? How do you how do you get into a cult and 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 how the heck do you get out once you're in it? I mean, I've seen all the documentaries, I've watched um Source Family on Netflix, which I highly recommend. It's so it's so alluring and I I kind of get it. I kind of get it. I mean, at least in the Source Family, this guy picked up, you know, stray orphans essentially on the Sunset Strip and and it sounded fun in the beginning. Let's just get together and meditate and hang out and talk about cool things. Sounds like something people who listen to that Deep Bro might be interested in, right? I'd be interested in it. But then before you know it, the leader is like, hey, uh, hey, uh, do you guys, uh, 
Mind having group sex? No? Cool. How about I have sex with all the women, of the young teenage girls? Yes, you too. And um, how about you? Let's all live together and um, don't talk to your families because that's bad. And um, and then slowly the abuse begins. And there's a great Scientology documentary out now too about about how they're kind of culty. Um, there's this great quote by Deborah Layton who was involved in and escaped from the Jim Jones People's Temple cult that says, nobody joins a cult. You join a self-help group, a religious movement, a political organization. They change so gradually. By the time you realize you're entrapped, and almost everybody does, you can't figure a safe way back out. Wow. God, I mean, think about it. Have you ever been with an abusive jerk boyfriend or girlfriend or someone that just seems to, like, brainwash you? You know, we all we all have our low points in life, and and you're attracted to some demon seed that just takes over. Well, that's what happens. So, by the way, if you think you're in a cult, I feel some kind of responsibility or duty. Um, if you reach out, there's a website I'm looking at called cultexperts.org. And they can help you find resources to get out and and also, um, you know, information to see whether or not you're in a cult. So here's some things to know. If, if you're in a cult, these are the warning signs, okay? Uh, do they claim to have a special corner on the truth, something no other group has? Are you told to not question what is being taught as the leadership are godly, honest, have divine authority, and you must trust them? Are you discouraged from asking questions as to why members have left and ex- expected to accept the reasons the group leadership gives you? Do they put down other churches, groups, etc., while pointing out their faults and errors to build themselves up? Ooh. Are you made to feel your failures? Are you made to feel your failures as though your performance is not up to par to their righteous standards? Do they recommend for you to be around their people, expecting you to attend all group activities. If you do not, are you questioned about your spirituality or dedication? Do they stop you from reading anything negative about themselves? Do they call those who fall away enemies, dogs, or cancer, even using examples from the Bible or other such materials? Do they place an, an emphasis on evil and the devil, declaring that the world outside is a threat to the group? Do they defend themselves in every area? Do they give importance to a spiritual goal such as enlightenment, godliness, salvation that has no real tangible way of being measured? Do they operate in humility or seem arrogant and make demands on you to obey, using such statements as, real believers obey without question, or if you really were a devoted follower, you would do such and such. So be aware, guys. I know, I know people are like, is CrossFit a cult? I mean, yes and no. But here's what to be aware of. Instant bonding or friendship without even knowing you. Like people who are like, hey, we're best friends now. Being told you have a special calling or potential and that if you join, you will move further ahead. Flattery is often used in cults. Oh, yeah, for sure, right? Like in Scientology, you got to move up the levels and stuff. (laughs) When you ask questions about the history of the group, the answers are vague or avoided altogether and you feel as though something is being hidden from you. So, those are what to kind of look out for if you if you're in a religious group and uh and you're like, "Wait a minute, this feels a little hanky. Those are some some uh, uh uh signs that yeah, yeah, bros, you're in it. Um cultexperts.org, check that out if you need help getting out. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? 
not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Okay, so let's get into it. This is my conversation with Jessica. Um, she was brought into a cult at the age of eight by her parents. And uh, what ensued was horrible and terrible. And she found her way out. And she is now a normal, happy, healthy person. So, okay, here it is, guys. My chat with Jessica. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> so I put a call out on my show a while back, um, inviting anybody who's been in a cult or has experience with a cult to come and talk about it. Because it's such like a far out topic, man. It's so it's so far out, but not really, because uh, people have been in cults. They exist. And, and so, Jessica, you were you were born into one. Is that correct? No. Or, oh, okay. um, I was brought into one when I was eight. Okay. So mm -hmm. what happened? How does that happen? Uh, I was raised by super hippy-dippy parents, and they were seekers. And What does that mean? They, they, they wanted to, hmm, they wanted to find something, like meaning in life. My mom was raised super religious, like Catholic, so she didn't want that, and... They were really into the new age stuff. So they were doing like cathartic work in groups with other adults. Um, like like kind of rebirthing and stuff like that? or Yeah, all kinds of crazy <laughs> stuff. Like uh, gestalt, like there was all kinds of stuff going on. And they would go together in groups and bring up issues that they'd had. And uh, I think some of it's good, but it was some of it's really awful when it's pushed to kind of extremes so right because the premise that starts off kind of kind of awesome right like yeah this group yeah. of people who are gonna get together and we're totally. gonna talk about real stuff and and maybe there's a leader there that's gonna help guide us or mm -hmm. so <laughs> hopefully not abuse our trust right, right. and be a fucking psychopath <laughs> so so your parents start hanging out with these other people and this is before you're born though or when you're eight uh, when I was probably like, actually, when I was born, they started hanging out with those people in Vancouver and it was all good. And after quite a while, we moved away from Vancouver. Then we moved back to be in this, like in a cult, but they called it like an intentional community. Mm -hmm. And their idea of it was way different than what it actually um, was when they came to Vancouver. So, well, what was the idea of it? The idea was it was going to make our family stronger. Um, my dad was dealing with drug addiction, which I had no idea about, but, um, my parents were really struggling and they, they thought it was going to make their family stronger and help my dad quit drugs. Okay. So, um, so good intentions, not, not horrible intentions. No, really good intentions. Yeah. yeah, totally. Like, it it was. And now I see that. But well, I didn't see it for a long time. 
Yeah. <laughs> so as soon as we moved to Vancouver, essentially they, they sold their house in Ontario and gave him all the money from their house. So he, and he being the, the leader. The leader. Of this group. Of the group. Mm-hmm. And uh, he'd, he'd done this with a lot of people. Like a lot of people gave them him all their money and he bought this huge house in one of the Gulf Islands here. And it was beautiful and we go visit him and do groups and stuff there. But um, we were, we lived in an isolated community in Vancouver where there was like 10 people per household. And um, we probably had about nine houses. And uh, as soon as we got there, he split my parents up and put my dad with a new woman. What? And split me and my brother up so I pretty much never saw my brother and my dad um for most of the time I was in the cult and uh and what was the reasoning behind that I don't know he he was just like with with adults he's like you're not good for each other so he'd put you with somebody else um him maybe <laughs> like what he actually the women with him if the women were good looking enough he would yeah <laughs> and he had lots of kids so yeah it was pretty gross yeah um so yeah i didn't really see my parents much for like the whole four years that oh we were God. there wait so who was raising you like who did you get public? whatever adults were around and like people called me ragamuffin because i didn't really have new clothes and like had kind of raggy hair all the time. And, um, I, I just felt so alone, you know, of course. Um, and there was so, so much abuse. Like it was crazy. Um, like constantly yelling and, and forcing people to do things that probably weren't right for them. Um, in the name of, you know, the betterment of all the people. So, um, yeah, I just learned to not really trust myself. Yeah, of course. For a long time. Because, um, so like, I, sorry, when I said like it, the beginning, it sounds like good intentions. It's because I think that's the lure of it, right? Like, oh, wow, I, here's a group of like-minded people. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of distinctions between religions and cults. Of Religions, you know, the leader will disclose where the money is going. The leader will take questions from people. The leader doesn't divide up the families and, like, abuse people and have harems and stuff like that. <laughs> right? Like, this is generally... But it sucks because you were... It sounds like you were just really kind of an innocent... Uh, victim in all of this and that's so it's, it's, I can't even imagine what that's like to to be torn apart from your family and then like be thrown around from uh, it's just I'm so sorry Ugh. it's so awful so so how but long, you know what yeah. like while I was there we were so brainwashed that I thought it was the best thing for me and what what did you believe like, like what were the beliefs um it was sort of like we were better than everybody else like everything we were doing was was the best thing and nobody else in the world had a clue like we'd go out in public sometimes and I'd just stare at kids thinking like wow that kid's so messed up like they're not like us 
we're amazing. We're like, we know everything, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It was total crap. Of course. And then did he, did they have like, did you go to ceremonies or like, um, what's the word ceremony? You know, like mass and stuff. Like, were they, did mm-hmm. they tell you? Well, it was, it was super new agey. So it was like, there's a lot of meditation and kind of weird dancing crap that we did together. And like, um, just kind of weird therapy. Like you'd have to sit in the middle of this circle. And I essentially like just felt attacked by a whole bunch of people and like yelled at and told like, I don't feel like that. You feel like that, you know, you should go to the bathroom and look at yourself in the mirror for five hours and tell yourself you're um, not worthy or whatever it was. Like just crazy stuff. We'd have these assignments we had to do. Um, one time I, I got picked on in one of the the groups and they sent me into a room by myself for a month. I had a mattress on the floor and nothing else. And like, as I got better, like they would send me, oh, here's a crayon and some paper like you, you can draw <laughs> and like slide me my lunch under the door and stuff. And yeah, it was so brutal. Like I, I think my mom was living with me at that time and I took a bath one time and, and it was her job to like make sure that I didn't have any distractions. So I was in the bath and I remember like starting to read the shampoo bottle and she like knocked it out of my hand and said like, I'm not allowed to have any distractions Mm. it was really messed up and he just brainwashed everybody everyone and do you i mean you're an adult now and and you have it sounds to me like really great perspective from what happened to you in your childhood have you talked to your parents about this have like where are you with your parents now hmm brought it up like a couple years ago and I kind of immediately regretted it um my dad I don't know they've never really been the kind of people I could talk to about stuff you know yeah I get that believe me like my dad wanted to share I know you know because I listen to your show all the time yeah um uh yeah, my dad just used it as an opportunity to talk about himself and his experience. And then uh, yes. and then my mom immediately got defensive and started attacking me. And cool. like, yeah, you guys are great. <clears throat> awesome. Well, <laughs> join the club. You're you're part of the orphans club. Uh, I know. Messed up family. <laughs> That's why like when I first heard your show, I'm like, this girl gets it. Like <laughs> Well, we're trying anyway. to get it. We're trying, we're working through it. So, okay, so are they still involved in this no, cult? Okay, not so at all. They've no. gone. So it sounds like it was a, a lot of abuse, a lot of brainwashing, a lot of horrible stuff. So how long were you in there for? Uh, four years. Oh, God. And how, yeah. did, how did you get out? Um, actually, it was kind of crazy. Um, the, the cult leader decided to start opening all these other cults all over the world, like five other ones, I think. And one was in California. So he was living in California, obviously, because it was way nicer to live down there. And uh, 
he ended up taking ayahuasca mm. and he as far as i know he basically turned into a baby like people had to change his diapers people had to spoon feed him for like 6 months and he couldn't even like talk properly and it makes sense to me because he is a psychopath mm-hmm. and um and all that shit that he'd done to other people i'm sure it just came up you know i hope so from what i understand from ayahuasca like, yeah <laughs> um it's really powerful so uh as soon as that happened my mom basically just took us out like she'd had enough and so that was it slowly yeah it just slowly disassembled like everybody sort of left at that point and I think everyone was sort of ready for it because everyone was sort of sick of being told what to do I think and um and having that distance from him for a while I think people just started to relax a bit more and like oh, I don't, like, I feel better for some reason or, you know. So he sounds like a real sadistic piece of shit. uh, Yeah. You know what? He's still sort of doing the same thing now. Like, he, uh, he went back to school and got his PhD in psychology. Oh, my God. Yeah. And. No. And now he's still splitting up couples, dating the hot woman, and totally brainwashing her. And uh, I went on his website, like, a couple years ago, and I looked at his picture, and I almost puked. Like, he still brings out that, like, I'm just totally terrified of him. And uh, I read some of his words, and nothing makes any sense. Like, it... It looks like spiritual, like really deep stuff, but it's all circle talk. Like nothing, mm. nothing really makes sense. And he's written a ton of books. Um, so yeah, he's kind of respected in in some sort of new age circles. It's so it's so crazy to me. And I mean, it's it's obvious that you were clearly abused too. Like it's being locked in a room for a month with nothing but a mattress is clearly abuse it's like how does this guy how are you how is he able to keep doing this legally he's been sued a lot like yeah and there's some people that have not recovered from like from that cult and yeah there's one guy who's just a bit older than me I'm so glad I wasn't a teenager there because um teenagers had it so rough like I know some people were told to lose their virginity with someone older and Ugh. like um every Sunday we'd we'd get together and go in the sauna naked and some teenagers like they're like, I don't wanna be naked around you guys and they get their clothes ripped off and like um you know, chased around until like one guy locked himself in the bathroom and they opened the door and made him take all his clothes off and it was just I don't know. <laughs> it's and it also like it it wasn't all bad too. Like there's some amazing people that I know through it and I have lifelong bonds with them. They're closer than my family. And you still talk to these people today. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah we get together sometimes and and stuff when you go through that traumatic experience together 
it just bonds you with other people. And it must help you to be able to talk about the abuse and the bad stuff. Yeah. With them. Yeah. People that understand. Few, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a few people that like really get it and they're like, yeah, that was super fucked up. And anytime we need to talk about it, we will. Um, and a lot of them are older than me too. Like I, I didn't really have parents there, but I learned at that age to reach out to other adults that I thought I could trust. And that's something I've always done in my life is like, um, find other sort of parent figures to look up to and, and talk to about things. And, and that's, I think has been one of the best things I've done. That's so smart, Jessica. I should have done that. I should have done that. I don't think I did that enough. But in the community, (laughs) but in the community or in the cult, like that was something that was really common because my parents weren't, weren't around. There were lots of other kids that had bonds with other adults. So that was, I think, a strength that happened. And that was something I learned there. Like, yeah, it's cool. Like still I have probably five adults. I, I, adults I'm an adult (laughs) but other people I can call up and and talk to you about crap like a couple days ago I had a meltdown and uh, there's my friend Philip and I called him up he's like almost 70 and he always sets me straight so well thank god you're I mean that's that's a positive thing that you had those resources and and Mm -hmm. you were intuitive and smart enough to reach out to people you could trust and you know help you through that yeah, thank God for that. Thank God. So, so when you're in, and I know, I know you were a child at the time. So you know, with a child's mind, you looked at things. But were there ever times when you were in the cult where other people would kind of look at each other and go, "Wait a minute, wait is this is this right? Are we supposed to be getting naked in the jacuzzi with teenagers? Is there <laughs> ever a point where people doubted what was uh, happening? What usually happened was people would come in. Uh, like new people would come in, scope it out and like just take off one night or oh, okay. people have been there for years, just overnight, just ran away. And that, and so, so they kind of got hip to what was happening and they were like, I'm out of here. Yeah. I don't know because obviously that's what happened, but I didn't really talk with them. I talked with one lady that did that and she's like, yeah, it just got way too crazy and I had to run away. And she was one of his like women too so she just took off with her little baby oh and um i imagine it's hard to leave once you're in it i mean were there repercussions if you found out you wanted to leave is that why people oh yeah that that's the whole thing about cults like they make you cut off all your ties with your family um make you dependent sorry hold on one second my phone is ringing and i don't want it sorry sorry Oh, good. It's an 800 number, too. <laughs> All right. So let's try that. <laughs> I'm so happy they interrupted that amazing uh, discussion we had. So, okay, yeah, so you can't leave. Uh, yeah. They, they find out. Leave. And what would happen if he found out, the leader, that you wanted out? Uh, oh, they'd probably, like, surround you and beat you into submission, basically. Not by, like, physical force, but... Everybody was so brainwashed and, and it was, um, 
like everybody was in a, an abusive relationship with him, essentially. Mm. So, you know, like an, an abusive relationship, how it's so hard for the woman to leave. It's essentially the same thing. Mm. So, but your parents, your parents were able to leave. And at the time, it sounds like he had sort of um, disintegrated himself. So he, he wasn't at a place to enforce stuff, right? Is that, I mean. Yeah, yeah no, he wasn't. He was kind of out of it. It was like the perfect moment. So, um, oh yeah. And what I was, what I was saying before is they make you dependent on staying there because all of us kids were homeschooled. Like they're all of the inside of the cult. They've made all these different businesses. So everybody worked for those businesses. Everyone pooled their money together. So nobody really had money. And, um, and you cut all your ties with family, friends, like so much that it would be hard to rebuild relationships with your family. Mm. And even still, like I, I don't feel that close to my family because it was just so broken back then. Like my parents were yelling at their parents on the phone, like fuck off, all this stuff. And I think my my family's still been kind of like, what was that like once in a while? And I'm like, I don't know. It <laughs> doesn't come up very much, though. So how often do you speak to your parents now? Uh, pretty often. But I had to... I had to essentially move to a different city to be away from them for a long time so that I could rebuild a relationship with them. They're pretty good people, but um, I've had to work super hard on myself to to be able and ready to start having a good relationship with again with them, and it's been really hard work for me. I can only imagine. Ugh. Yeah, and like all this stuff happened after the cult too that made it like way worse. Well, that's what um, I wanted to ask you. So you leave this, this bubble, yeah. this crazy bubble world where you're brainwashed. Uh, it sounds like your identity is just stripped down and anything yeah. you think and anything you want as Jessica is told, you're told that you're wrong, you're bad. That's not right. This is how it is. So you're this 12 year old girl when you leave. Is mm-hmm. that about, yeah. And, and now you're about to embark on, you know, this is it. 12 years old puberty oh starts. My God adolescence yeah this is the worst time most for so most awful. people yeah <laughs> and now you've left the only thing this thing that you've known sorry for the last four years so what's life like when you guys leave this place and now you're home with mom and dad uh they weren't together but we were all living in the same house and all I wanted was to be normal like nothing could be normal enough for me like I'd go to some girl's house and she had like white eggs and we had brown <laughs> eggs. And I'm like, yeah, we need to have white eggs. We need to have bleached toilet paper. We need to <laughs> like, oh, we look so crazy. Like we need to look normal like everybody else. <laughs> yeah, I totally I get it. So how are so how was so who did you both parents are in that same house? It had to be a, a wonderful hotbed of tension and awfulness, right? If they weren't together anymore. Yeah, it was kind of, I don't know. I, I feel like there's, there's a lot of years where I was just sort of floating. Like my head wasn't attached, my body kind of thing. Like I just, just was trying to be normal. And 
yeah, it was really hard. Like my, it, it didn't help too that my mom's always been sort of a, abusive to me when I was younger, like a lot of yelling and I, I was always put on edge by her. Um, so I don't know. I feel like I drifted on that question. No, I, so, so uh, I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm wondering, so you get back, do you, do you go to school or are you still being home? Yeah. Yeah. I was put back a grade cause, cause basically like, well, I was in the cult. If I didn't want to do math, I'd just go jump on the trampoline or something. So <laughs> cleanse your auras and chakras yeah, or whatnot. Yeah. Have meditate, some- <laughs> like just, just meditate and like, yeah. I'd have to pretend to be this spiritual, amazing person, but I, I was so confused all the time. Yeah, it's harder for kids to grasp that stuff. So so you're back, you're at school, and you have this crazy thing that's happened to you. You have the secret world, basically, that's happened to you. How does a 12-year-old Jessica, how do you even go to school, and how do you make friends? Do you tell people, like, hi, I'm Jessica, I just got out of this cult? No, I didn't really say much. Like, I decided I wanted to be in the popular crowd. So I, like, I tried to impress them all the time. Like, I, I was always sort of a class clown at that age. Like, I would I would just, like, try to do stuff to, like, be funny in front of the class. And I'd get kicked out of class all the time. And that made me feel pretty good. So... <laughs> I would do that kind of stuff. And then, and then a lot of the kids were like, Oh, that was so funny how you did that. <laughs> so I, I sort of made friends that way, but they weren't great friends. They were popular. They were kind of bitches. So, um, I was just trying to be normal. I was just trying to get through. Oh, I get it, dude. I feel like a, a lot of people that have been through trauma and um, stuff that you're ashamed of, like, I, it's so funny because I, I go through that, too, where I'm like, I just want to be normal. And I think I've worked really hard at trying to be normal for so many years that it gets, I got tired. I just, you know, I get tired. And I'm like, you know what? I got this freak flag. I got this history. Yeah. And it's just part of, it's part of us. It's like, yeah, you can try to cover it, but it's always going to leak out. It's always going to be there. There's, and you can deal with it, but it's it's just mm-hmm. part of who you are. So you're, so you're older and, and then, so how, how do you deal with it? I'm assuming the older you get as a teenager, do you spiral? Are you suicidal? Do you, how does it come oh, out? Yeah. Of like course, fuck, yeah. I was so depressed. I ended up not having friends like for, I don't know, grade nine in high school. And then I made like a couple friends and I, I just kept like three people close to me in high school and that was it. And I was sort of like, I've always been into art. So I, I just lost myself in photography and poetry and stuff. And, um, and I was so suicidal, but I wouldn't do anything about it. Like I just, I just wanted to walk into the road and I wanted a car to hit me. Like that's, yeah, that's what I wanted to happen. And I knew I was really depressed. So I, I wanted to make sure that like, um, I was still taking care of myself in a way. So I, I do crazy stuff, like go to the gym twice a day. So I wasn't just sitting around being depressed, but, um, yeah, I just kind of slogged through it. I was on antidepressants, but that didn't work. I was up all night and puking and stuff. So, um, why were you up puking? Uh, antidepressants, like, 
I don't know if it's the same now, but I tried like six different kinds and I've always been really sensitive to all kinds of stuff. So, oh, okay. so it's like a reaction to the drugs. Yeah. And so all this time you're suicidal, you, you're just, you're in a, I mean, cause there's no way your brain can really comprehend what you went through. And I, I'm a guessing you can't go to mom and dad and, no. and go, Hey guys, guess what? I'm really fucked up. I need help. No, something's wrong. So how, how did you... uh, what was going on in my family at that time? Sorry to interrupt, no, but please. um, so my dad was like working on his roofing business, and he's an addict. So I slowly started realizing my dad was a drug addict when I was like twelve or thirteen. I didn't know, and um, he was into coke, and he just started using more and more. And all of a sudden I just started seeing this person I'd never seen before. And he like, he'd be running around all night being paranoid. Cops are chasing him. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and there's like cops in my room asking me what my dad has to show them. Cause he was running around in the streets and he ended up just spiraling so out of control that like he lost his roofing business. And, uh, he, ended up on the street so he was like homeless living in one of those crack hotels downtown and um my mom was just trying to hold it together like she was a single mom and uh doing night shift work as a nurse to like support us so she was super depressed which I know now but at the time like it was she was super abusive to me like I I couldn't do enough to make sure that the house was clean enough or that you know the meals were provided for me and my brother, like, um, it just all that stuff. So that was all going on. And I'd never thought about the cult. Like it wasn't even something that I thought bothered me at all. Like I probably, I think I totally buried it actually until I was about 25. Well, you'd have to, I mean, the amount of trauma you went through and abuse was probably so horrific. (laughs) Um, of course. Yeah. So when you're 25, so what happened at 25 that it finally kind of came up and how did you deal with it? Because this conversation was actually brought on by an email I received from a guy who left the Mormon church. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, how do I, what do you know? How do you, how do you rebuild your life? What do you do? Yeah. Um, well, I'll just kind of like, I, I just want to talk about like after high school and up to 25 briefly. I just, I learned a trade. I learned aesthetics. I traveled a bit. I worked on the cruise ships. I just wanted to get the, <laughs> get the on, fuck. On cruise ships. Oh no. And hopefully on a good one on carnival. Or- <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it was so brutal. What did you do on a did cruise you, ship? Did you work on a cruise ship? No, never. Oh, never. I I've thought you might've done comedy on a cruise ship. I know better than that. I've heard nightmare stories and so I won't, but. But comedians have it pretty good compared to a lot of people on the ships. <laughs> like if you're an entertainer, you have it like the best. Is that what you did? What did you do? No. Um, I've, I've been an esthetician for like, I don't know, 14 years or something, oh, but okay. so. I went into aesthetics and, uh, I was just basically just doing massage 12 hours a day, uh, six days a week. And it was crazy, (laughs) but I mean, it was good for me, I think just to get, get out of Vancouver, see the world a little bit. And, 
yeah, it was nuts. I I wouldn't recommend it to anybody that's at all like sensitive. <laughs> a cruise ship? Yeah. Like I'm a very sensitive person and I need my space. Like I need to I, I need to have time to to recoup after like gatherings with friends even oh, and yeah. stuff. And this was like shoebox room, four people in a room. Uh taking a shower where I could barely move my arms and I'm like a really petite person and uh I was just worn out like I'm not meant to touch people all day like that <laughs> I take on people's energy so much like I'm a total empath and I just like I feel everything like I'll walk oh, into a room and I can tell what everybody's feeling right away well that do you know well, why that is though well, at least in psychology terms, because I have a similar thing. I get overwhelmed by people and I can yeah. I feel like I can sense what's happening even without. It's because you're so, as a child, you had to conform to what the adults wanted so much. Mm. And to survive, especially with you and your and your upbringing, you had to kind of read what was happening. So you're always on red alert. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. So anyway, you carry that into adulthood. Yeah. But that's good. I also so- kind of wonder about that too, because like, I know I'm really sensitive anyway, but I I know some people that were in the cult and have gone through trauma and it's not as bad for them. But I think when you are really sensitive, like I don't know. Have you ever heard of the highly sensitive person? Of course, HSP. Of course. Okay. <laughs> like I'm definitely a highly yeah, sensitive person. I'm an person. HSP too. I don't like loud sounds. All right. <laughs> HSP, 15% of the people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love that lady. Yeah, totally. Some, some days you just need to lay in bed all day. <laughs> of course. Like, really? You're going to let me do that? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't, like, I don't like loud sounds and gatherings of people. Many people, I get, I get freaked out. So, but it sounds like you were very, you were active between high school and like 25 years old. Like, yeah, you, you so I moved. Like I, you got away I from your parents is most important, right? Yeah, I moved away from Vancouver to Calgary, and um, I I started working in this job where they like it was still aesthetics, but they they really valued personal growth, so they started allowing me to go to these personal growth retreat type things, which is cool. I love all that stuff, but some of it feels like very similar to the cult whenever I'm involved with groups of people and therapy and all that yeah. stuff. So naturally, it just brought it all up. And I was like, holy shit, I did not know that I was carrying this, like, and it's reflected in every area of my life. Like, everything that was brought up that weekend was, like, stuff that was me as a little girl, like, you know, not trusting myself or getting abused by people and, like, whatever. So at that point, I realized just how much it had influenced my life. And that's when you start rebuilding yourself. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, I've seen counselors in high school and kind of up till then, but I, I ended up going to art school and um, all through art school, I I saw counselors and um, it was so good for me to, to allow myself to, to dig in and um, and just really kind of start to heal. Uh, and I'd, I'd really like to say if anybody 
has gone through trauma and they're, they're thinking about counseling and therapy and all that stuff to shop around and make sure that you have the right counselor or therapist. Like I didn't know that I could do that or I should do that because when I went, like I saw all these people and stuff and I, I thought that I wasn't like, it was just me the reason why I felt off or something with someone. And uh, it wasn't till I met this one woman and we just clicked and I knew she got me and it was beautiful. Like I, I felt so good just talking to her and, um, and she was willing to expose herself to me. Like she was willing to tell me, Oh yeah, I've been through some hell too. Like my mom did this to me, did that to me. I'm like, okay, you get it. Like you're willing to be vulnerable with me and I can be vulnerable with you. Which is so important, Jessica, because people email me all the time. Like uh, I started therapy and then I stopped going because I didn't like the dude or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm always like, try again, try again, keep going. Try, try, try. I think it was like, that was maybe my 10th person I'd seen. Wow. So good for you. And she was so amazing. She was so worth it. Good for you to keep going back. Yeah, because also when you start blaming yourself, you go, "Oh, it's maybe it's me," and then you spiral, and then you're in your hole again, and it's hard to get out of it unless you have mm-hmm. help. So good for you. So this woman helped you. It sounds like kind of guide you through the trauma mm-hmm. and help you rebuild uh, yourself. Mm-hmm. So how how old are you now? Just to get kind of perspective. Uh, just about to be thirty three. Oh, okay. So wow. Yeah. So this is pretty still pretty fresh and pretty, I mean, you've done a lot of work, I imagine. Yeah. But holy cow. Okay. So how do you feel now? I feel pretty good. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're laughing. No, I mean, you're cute. Uh, you're like, I feel pretty good. That's good. Yeah. I mean, like I've come a long way and I'm finally starting to do things in my life that I'm like allowing myself to do that. It's like, it's okay. You can, you can do that. Like you can have a nice life. You can, you can do what you really want, even though it doesn't make sense, you know, just do it. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I moved here in the middle of, it's not nowhere, but like, it's not in a city. I've always wanted to be in the country and I'm in this beautiful place and I allowed myself to do that. And it was scary, but I made the change and you know, I've, I've never owned a car until this year. Like I bought my first car and I'm like, Oh, I'm, I can do this. I can, I can drive around and feel safe in this little like bubble. It's so nice. You know, I can take myself to the woods and go for a nice walk and, and treat yourself nicely and be yeah. kind to yourself. Yeah. Isn't that Just amazing? Allowing, yeah. Actually you, your podcast was one of the first one of the first times I was like, yeah, I'm allowed to do that. Like I'm, I'm allowed to have a nice life, you know, when you're talking about your dogs and you're like, yeah, it's bananas. Good. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. I can do that. Like uh, maybe I'm allowed to have that, you know? Well, cause that's the thing when you grow up kind of being, I mean, when you grow up being robbed of your, your personhood, which is kind of what happens if you're raised by kooky parents are you? I mean, you have such an extreme case, like, holy shit. But yeah, when you've been traumatized, you grow up thinking that you're not entitled to the happiness that other people have. And it's little things. I remember being like, 
uh, like colors. My mother would tell me like, I didn't like the color pink. <laughs> and I'm like, what? That's, that's absurd. And now like, I buy pink things on purpose just to be like, no, I enjoy this. And yeah. It's so stupid and small in a way, but it's, it's significant. It's really a huge step in, in your development to be able to, to want to have a happy, good, meaningful life. And it's interesting that you said that you're like, it seems so irrational. Like I want to move out into the woods, but it's not, it's like what you want to do. But we think we're so, we're so, you know, in our heads about it that we think it's such a crazy thing to want a car or to like oh <laughs> want to live somewhere beautiful, you know? Yeah. Ugh. I'm still like, what am I doing? But I'm like, you know what? I needed to trust myself. There's like a lot of years where I was, I really wanted to live near the woods and the ocean. Like I, I wanted to, to learn all the like, canning and all these skills that I'm learning right now and identifying mushrooms in the woods and stuff and it's pretty cool and there's like bears in my yard every day like it's amazing to to, to just have nature around like that so cool so yeah so do you feel like I mean I know because like with my history and I I always feel like a space alien like I always feel like the alien around normal people and yeah, I do. For you sure. Too? You do too <laughs> yeah. still? Yeah. So yeah. So talk about that. Like, I don't know. What do you do about it? Oh, you know, at my best, I realized that cuz it's not just that uh this this crap happened or whatever we're we're holding this sort of baggage sometimes. It's like we're also really sensitive, we're also really creative. Yeah. And we're going to stand out anyways. So when I, when I feel at my best, I know that I can lift up other people. Like when I'm with friends, like I'm, I'm so sensitive and I can feel like nobody's really into this conversation. So why don't I uh, change the subject or why don't I say, you know, let's do this or let's do that. And, and when I tap into my, my intuition like that and, and I'm able to help other people, it's like, wow, I actually have a, a sort of like superpower in a way. Hmm. Instead of going like, oh, I'm so sensitive, like I'm really messed up. Um, you know, I'm too sensitive or I'm I'm creative, like freak, like everybody thinks I'm so weird or something like that, you know? Like to turn it into a positive is what you're saying. Like instead of yeah. saying I'm the one that's fucked up being like, no, that's kind of my superpower. Yeah, I this is the awesome part of me. Yeah, because the people that I look up to don't give a crap and just do it the way they want. And uh, and they're still respectful of people, but they're just like themselves. Yeah. Isn't that and isn't that crazy that that's kind of the struggle when you've been through stuff at a young age, the struggle to Mm -hmm. just be yourself Oh and, my god, it's so hard. Oh, I know. Why is it so it's fucking like, hard? It's so easy, but it's so hard. I'm like, yeah. well, even I'm around my boyfriend, and I, I'm like, I can't. Like, everything's so hard for me in that way. And he's like, just whatever. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Like, he he had like the easiest, not the easiest upbringing, but pretty normal. And he doesn't really understand all this trauma stuff. And he'll listen to me, but. I get all like the all those crazies. <laughs> I know that you're like that because yeah, you talk course, about it, but of course. I'm. Yeah, it's really, really interesting to have that sort of perspective, like a mirror of a person, just be like, uh, 
that's like you're just talking crap right now <laughs> like that's not reality you know yeah that does help to have somebody who can say that to you like wait a minute what you're thinking is not necessarily what's happening right now maybe um yeah you're just projecting your own stuff on the situation the negative stuff yeah oh. mm-hmm. so therapy helped and now you're kind of cool with your folks kind of cool. yeah yeah <laughs> my dad uh he's gone through a huge transformation like he's uh really thrown himself into NAAA program whatever and um he's actually a really great speaker and uh he moves people to tears when he talks about like what he's been through and he's really open about it which is awesome because he was such an arrogant prick when I was growing up (laughs) but uh yeah he's gone through a lot and um and my mom has too she's you know she's in a new relationship and going to counseling and stuff but in a lot of ways I've always felt like 20 times more aware than my parents. And yeah, uh, I think you are. I'd say that's a safe assumption. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I do my best and I'm, I'm trying really hard to just let them be like, just hang out with them and kind of look at them like a, like an outsider would or something and let go of my baggage because it's not serving me anymore. We're not in that same dynamic. I can choose what I want. I, I don't have to live with them. I don't have to be around them if I don't want to. And yeah. So it's kind of like parenting myself. Like, Oh yeah. You know, you had to reparent yourself. That's what totally. Yeah, of course. I have to be my own mom and my own dad. (laughs) (laughs) So do you find yourself ever getting really mad at them? Are there days where you're just like, fuck, I hate them. I cannot believe they did this shit to me. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know about that so much anymore. Cause I, I wanted to forgive them like so much because I know it's not, it's not good to hold on to that stuff. Um, I try really hard to forgive people. I don't really know how to forgive people though. Like, yeah. how do you, people are always like, mm, forgive <laughs> you you have to forgive or like you're holding it inside and it it hurts you. And I understand that and I want to forgive. And it's, I think it's just like over time you slowly, like it just, it gets better and easier for you to let go of stuff or I'm not really sure. I'm still working that out. Yeah, me too. I can't imagine. (laughs) For me, it's like I, I constantly have to assert my boundaries around my parents. Isn't that terrible, though? But don't you feel like you're always on red alert? Yeah. Like, I've always got to keep my, my shoulders are always up around my ears when I'm around but my It's family. terrible because, like, sometimes I'll hang out with my mom or my dad. We have a really good time, and I feel like we connected, and I feel like I can open up to them again. And as soon as I do that, I almost immediately regret it. Like, oh, yeah. Like, oh, that was so brutal. Why did I do that again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because it's like you think they're going to be normal this time. Like maybe this time they're going to have a normal response to what I'm about to say. And then you're like, nah, I totally didn't. Oh, it's yeah, back, it's like one lucid moment and then <laughs> nah. and then we're in hell again. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Just <forget>. hell. 
gotta give up the dream. We just gotta give up the dream of having normal yeah. parents. That's never, it's never gonna happen. But, yeah. Um. So I'm glad. I'm happy for you, Jessica, and I'm so glad that you reached out uh, to me. And I'm really appreciate you talking about this stuff because I think that a lot of people can relate, even if they haven't been in a cult, but relate to being, you know, having severe trauma in childhood and how do you deal with it? And and you seem to be very happy and and together. And and it's huge. I'm I'm really amazed at your strength and amazed at all that you've done. It's crazy. It's just so it's so good. I'm so happy for mm-hmm. you. I'm so proud of you, Jessica. I don't know you, but I'm, I'm proud of you. <laughs> uh, can I say? I don't know if you're yeah. wanting to wrap up now, but well, yeah. I mean, I yeah. it's up to say whatever you like. Um, for some people, like going through that much trauma, like if you hold on to it and you don't work through it you will be on the flip side and you will abuse other people later on. Like I, it's pretty easy to do that. Like you can be oppressed, you can be the victim, but then you can, you can do the opposite later on. Like it's really easy to do that. If you, I, if you don't work on yourself, I think like work through it. I don't know if that makes sense, but absolutely. Cause you end up sabotaging your life. You're the one that yeah. suffers cause you stay in victim mode and then you, in turn, sometimes victimize other people. You'll do it to your children. You'll do it to your spouse. Yeah. Whoever. Yeah. Having said that, it's really good to talk about it. And then there becomes a point where you talk about it so much that um, you're not doing yourself any favors. Like you're, some people talk about things in order to justify why they're a piece of shit or like <laughs> why they treat right. other people like crap. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's really terrible because like at a certain point you have to go yeah that stuff happened to me but it's now my responsibility to do the best I can and be good to other people like what tools have I gained from that and I think that's really important like yeah that stuff happened to you and it's shitty and you deserve to be heard and you deserve love but you also deserve to have a better life and move on. And that takes a lot and it takes so much effort. No kidding. Um, I went through like a lot of abusive relationships too. Um, because of it, I think like I, I just didn't know any better. And, um, I think it wasn't till later on that I, I just recognized like I, I just didn't, know any different like everything I saw around me and how I was treated when I was younger I just sort of thought that was love and it's not and it's not your fault like it's totally not your fault (laughs) but later on once you realize that you just you need to start taking charge of your life and making it better and making it better for other people Mm. Yeah, because I think the tendency is when you've had something happen in childhood that you, as a child's brain processes it, it, it's like you blame yourself for the stuff that happened to you as a kid because you can't, Mm -hmm. otherwise you you can't process it. Like, of course mom sucks or mom's abusive, maybe because I'm a bad kid. Mm -hmm. And until you undo and unravel all those unconscious beliefs, you'll continue Mm -hmm. to self-sabotage and ruin your own life for sure. Yeah. For sure, man. (laughs) 
it's so tangled. It's and especially it's isolating yeah. too. I mean, I imagine you felt very isolated. Um, yeah, coming out of of the cult and like trying to be like you keep saying a normal person. Yeah, I still have days where I'm like, oh my god, I feel so weird. Like I'll go out in public and I'm like, I can't talk to people like a normal person. Like, why did I say that? Oh yeah, all the time. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> but I th- but I don't yeah. think like I think I'm the only one. Like all the time, I'm like <laughs> I'm the only one that's like walking around like. Oh, why did I just say that? Like, ugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're wearing this phony person costume. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I'm trying that. to be real with people, but then I'm like kind of getting oversensitive. Or I'm like, oh, I should have just stayed home. But then sometimes I just get so neurotic and um, I get anxiety at some times. And, and uh, just everything can overwhelm me. So it's a lot better, like... I don't get anxiety that much. That's great. It's really good. Yeah. That's great. So for people, yeah, go ahead. Oh no, go on. I might say what I have to say, but I might not. No, say it, say it. Uh, No, can you, you want me to go first? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, I was going to say for people listening, um, it sounds like what really helped you was therapy, reading, reading the book, the highly sensitive person. (laughs) That really helps. And, and, and all the self-help books. <laughs> and everything else you can find that calls you. I think so, absolutely. Yeah. I, think, I think read whatever calls to you. Go, mm-hmm. go to a bookstore or wherever. I don't even think those exist anymore. And just mm-hmm. peruse that self-help section, man. And whatever speaks to you, pull mm-hmm. it off a shelf and start reading it. And it sounds like talking to other people that have been through similar experiences really helps you too. Yeah, like finding an older person that you go, I want to be them when I'm older. Right. Like, then be their friend and and just like get them to talk to you and share their wisdom because that's helped me so much. That's awesome. Like we need older people. I don't know why we push them away so much in our culture. Like they oh, have so much to offer. Um, yeah, so that's that's really important too. And moving. Get the fuck out of wherever you were. Yeah, if you have an inkling, like, one day I'd love to do that, and it's like a pipe dream. It's, you know, I moved here with nothing. I got rid of everything, and now I'm just, like, I found work. I'm gardening. I'm doing some cool stuff. I'm not exactly where I want to be, but whatever. It's all right. Um, yeah. And uh, I don't, I don't want to sound, like, really nuts, but... Something else that has really helped me is uh, mushrooms. Yeah, that's not nuts. You yeah. got to take your psychedelics, of course. Honestly, like that has been one of the biggest tools for me for personal growth. Like there's it. never been a time where I've, I've taken mushrooms and afterwards I'm like, well, that was really fucked up. Like, I, I don't want to do that again. It's always been like, holy crap, that was something I really needed to know. And, and I go into it often, like, I don't know what I'm going to get out of it. And, uh, and set and setting is really important. I don't, I don't know if I want to get all preachy, but anyway, I, uh, I often will just like be by myself, you know, make sure nobody's in the house. Uh, I'll set up my room like perfectly. I'll get under the covers (laughs) and listen to music. And I'm just like, having my eyes covered the whole time and just like cuddling myself and um 
that's been some of the best stuff for me. Like, because you go into your own world. It's like your own. So healing. Head. It's been yeah. amazing. Like you see all this crazy stuff. Depending on who you are, like my my partner never sees anything, but like I I can see all kinds of things. But the sort of stuff I get out of it, I don't know where it comes from, but it is amazing. And it's been so worth my time. Mm-hmm. I do that. I used to do that. I don't anymore, obviously, but uh, with pot. Like, I would just get some some, <laughs> some really powerful, like, Snoop Dogg level weed and, yeah. um, like, kind of trip out alone. Like, I just smoke a little, <laughs> just be alone and kind of just, like, close my eyes, too, and, and just see what comes up. Because I think, I think what that is, like, tripping and, and doing drugs is kind of suppressing the chatter in your head, like the, that negative bullshit mm. and like letting the real stuff come up. Like it's just letting the stuff that you normally suppress come up. It's like your unconscious well, stuff. Maybe. I don't know. For me, pot is really hard for that because I'll smoke some and like, I don't know where it's going to go, but like I'll think the worst stuff about myself sometimes and it's so awful. <laughs> but now I'm like, now I'm starting to realize like that's a real gift because it's bringing it up so much that I can't avoid it. Like that is something that I've thought about myself, this deep seated, ugly thought. And I need to not do that anymore. Like I need to not choose to think that way about myself. Or what's the, what's the ugly thought? Like if it keeps coming up. Yeah, that's your unconscious mantra. That's whatever is happening. Yeah, and, and look at it. Take it to your shrink and go. That's going minute. on in Why? the background Why all the that? time. Why is that tape running? And it yeah. and a hundred times it's it's not you. It's not yours. It, it was yeah. given to you by some asshole. It was put there by some some experience you had as a kid. It's it, it's like don't like the color pink. You know what I'm saying? It's it's not there. It's not yours. It's someone yeah. else. It was put there. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, man. We all just got a trip. We all got to do some drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, that's the that's the takeaway from from it's our. It's so funny because like people are like, "Yeah, well, it's probably not good for some people." I'm sure it's not. Like I I've seen some people get really messed up when they they probably sh- they probably shouldn't take it if if you have um, some mental sort of problems sometimes like that's probably not good but it's i don't think it's gonna permanently mess you up no i don't think it does don't buy that that's some 80s bullshit the Reagan but like era. yeah i've taken super high doses and <laughs> those have been some of the best for me like i was knocked on my butt for like five hours and just shown all this stuff that's awesome yeah, just like you want to see this, okay. <laughs> and that's great. Find what works for you. If you don't want to take psychedelics, meditation is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Not if else. you're forced to meditate when you're a child. No. Maybe you don't want to do that. <laughs> not not for a child, but for yeah, if you're a responsible adult, capable of, yeah. of your own thoughts. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, I don't know. Some people get that through jogging. I personally don't. Some people get that through sports or whatever, you know, that detachment. Yeah, jogging and, makes me angry. Oh, she's so upset too. My <laughs> boobs are way too big for jogging. Um, all right. So any anything else, Jessica, you want to share with people? Any last thoughts? Mm. Well, we didn't touch on this, but 
uh, grief. Yeah. You're talking about your mom dying. Ugh. I shared with you my brother died, like, uh, it was like 12 years ago now. And uh, grief is so confusing and hard and horrible. And if you're grieving right now, like, I gave myself nine months where I didn't work and I was able to do that. Um, if you can, just take as much time off as you can and be really good to yourself. Yeah, that's the only thing I had left to touch on, I think. Yeah, that's good advice. But, you know, I think the weirdest part of grief is when something, like someone dies and then you're just supposed to go back to your life. Like, you know. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's so weird. You feel like so... Like, the world is totally different when that happens, especially if it's somebody really close to you or somebody you've had, like, a really hard time with, like, probably with your mom. It's yeah. probably really confusing because, like, my brother was – he was my rock um, with all of the family stuff. And mm. so it wasn't confusing how I felt towards him, but, yeah, it was really hard. Yeah, because so, he was your—he was the person that you experienced that whole thing with. Yeah, we we just joke around and pull pranks on people all the time. Mm-hmm. Like that's all we did together. Mm. And twelve twelve years ago, huh? Ugh. Mm-hmm. I mean, does it get easier? Does it get better? Gets better, but there's still days where I'm knocked on my ass, crying most of the day. Yeah. So. Fuck. I'm not looking forward to losing people I like. That's going to be tough. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, I talked to a close friend the oh, other no, day. No. Like, this really, he's a lot older than me, and he's like, one day I'm going to die. I was like, I hadn't even considered that thought, and I burst into tears. Oh. <laughs> well, hug the people you love now. Yep. That's all you can do. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jessica. I do so much appreciate you talking to me about this and to everybody uh, listening. It's huge. It's, it's major. And thanks for sharing and being so forthcoming with all this stuff. I know it's, it's hard, but maybe not Mm -hmm. for you. I don't know. You seem good. You seem good with it. I feel like it's really important for me to share. Like I've always felt in my life there's, this is coming or it's given to me for a reason. So yeah. Maybe there's a book. Maybe there's a book. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Yeah, well, I'm glad to talk to you. I feel like these conversations are so important because they make me feel like less of a space alien. Me too. Yeah, the more of us out there that are space aliens that can connect to each other, the better it is for all of us. It's about finding Mm -hmm. your tribe, dude. And Mm -hmm. hopefully with that's deep row, you know, the tribe of weirdos and aliens and derelicts we can all find each other and and, and yeah we're not alone you're not alone yeah life is fucked but we're here <laughs> for some reason you know life is fucked and we're here for some reason i love that <laughs> i'm gonna quote you on that. <laughs> nice <laughs> so cool thanks jess oh so nice we'll to talk, talk again with you. we'll talk okay. again okay hey all right bye, bye. <laughs> now what i don't know Philosophize with. 
It's Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. Our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke. Or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life. And you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.